All right, here we go. This is the Jim Huber Show. I haven't seen a more disappointing lineup since the last Lakers game. Opinions expressed on the Jim Huber Show are not those of Breakthrough Basketball, its management, any affiliates, or any other sane human beings for that matter. These are Jimmy's opinions that come from Jimmy's head. Good luck. Check, check. <laughs> Ready to go rock and roll. You mean play basketball? On the line today, we have Chris Beard, head coach at Texas Tech, that uh, right now has a 72% winning percentage in NCAA games, and has coached at junior college, NCAA Division II, Division One at the NAI level. He's coached at the ABA professionally. He's coached international. So he's pretty much been around the gamut. Besides, you just like tell us school. what he hasn't coached. Well, okay, so high school and maybe NCAA Division Three, Fort Scott Community College. Yeah, why don't you talk to him? Ask him about Fort Scott. You played there. You played at Fort Scott. I was there briefly. How you doing, Coach? A lot of good memories every stop I've had, but Fort Scott's a special place. That was my first head coaching job. I've always kind of followed Fort Scott over the years, too. Their current coach is doing a really good job. He is. He's a great – we watched him this year. Really got him playing hard. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and you moved from there and uh, then eventually ended up on Texas Tech with, with Coach Knight. I know you mentioned a lot about how, you know, Coach Knight and his son Pat has had a great influence on you. Talk about that experience, your first time at Texas Tech, and the experience you had and the relationship you have with the Knights. Well, I think every coach would agree that uh, at certain points around, along your journey, uh, you have some real breaks. And certainly at the top of my list was the opportunity to work for Coach Knight. You know, it was like getting a Ph.D. in coaching every single day, not only on the practice floor or during games, but just how to, how to run a program year-round. Uh, and I have so much respect for Coach for so many reasons, but – you know, probably the things that really stick out was the was the graduation rate. I don't think coach gets enough credit uh, for that. You know, basically, simply stated, every player that ever played for him, you know, for four years at West Point, Indiana, Texas Tech, got their degree. And I've been really proud that we've been able to duplicate that. And so, just uh, this weekend, our four seniors from this year's team are going to graduate here at Texas Tech, and that's something I've been really proud of. And then, secondly, you know, the ability to win consistently at the highest level over many, many years uh, with no, you know, no problems with the NCAA rules or any uh, violations or things like that. So I think Coach won consistently, and he graduated players, and he won doing it the right way. So I'm just proud to be associated with him. You remember the first time you met him? What, what was it like? Because he's kind of <laughs> – he can be a little intimidating. First time you met Coach, what was that like? Yeah, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll give you some of the highlights. I was a junior college coach at Seminole State College in Oklahoma. It was a year after we had won at Fort Scott. Um, back in those days, there was no cell phones or text messages. You know, we had the old school uh, answer machine right next to my bed. So it was an early Saturday morning. The season had just ended a few days earlier, and I had a message on there I didn't pick up. And it was somebody saying that it was Karen Knight. She wanted me to give Coach Knight a call. And I thought that it was a, a prank. I've got some friends who like to have a good time. I absolutely 100% thought it was a prank call. I just rolled over and got a few more minutes sleep. Yeah. I did not return the call. Um, later that afternoon, I had two back-to-back calls, uh, one from Karen and then one from Coach Knight. And I recognized Coach Knight's voice, obviously. On the yeah, you don't mistake so, that, do you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I returned the call quickly. Um, but, no, it was great. One thing I tell um, all of our players and – our coaches over the years, and it's kind of something I'm consistent with when I speak at clinics and stuff, is one of my best coach night uh, memories and lessons was real early on. 
like the first or second time I met him, he'd come down, looked at some of our players at Seminole, and I drove him back to the Oklahoma City airport. This was before 9-11, so you could get all the way to the terminals. And I was literally sitting at this little round table with Coach, waiting for him to get on his plane. Coach was eating a piece of pizza. And I, I had told myself, um, at that point, he was he was narrowing it down to what job he would take. He had not taken the Texas Tech job yet. He was just around looking for players. Uh, but I knew that was going to be an option. And so I told myself, hey, if given an opportunity, I'm going to try to bring up the coach that I would love a chance to work on his staff in any capacity. Um, so I kind of get my courage up. The timing is right. I basically said, hey, coach, I know we just met. I know you know everybody in basketball. Um, but but given an opportunity, there's nobody that would outwork me. I would, you know, I would do everything in the world for you. And he kind of like put his pizza pizza down and kind of wiped his mouth. And he's just, I'll never forget this. He's like, Chris, I've never really been concerned, you know, with working hard. Uh, that's a given. What I've always tried to find is coaches that can get things done. And that's some advice that's really stuck with me over the years. I think, you know, in our business, we got a lot of guys that kind of self-promote and talk about how hard they work and work ethic. But I'm just convinced that everybody works extremely hard in basketball. There's nobody that doesn't work hard. But I think what separates, you know, people that can win and people that are trying to win is, you know, the ability to get things done on a day-to-day basis. And that's one of many lessons I learned from Coach Knight. When you think about that, your success of, you know, being at Angelo State and then moving to Arkansas Little Rock and, you know, winning the Sun Belt, getting an NCAA, upsetting Purdue, and then going to UNLV and back to Texas Tech. So you definitely proven what you're doing is working. A question I have for you, though, is one thing when I see, like, your teams play, and I think maybe Coach Knight learned from him, is your teams, like, value the basketball. You don't turn it over. I mean, you rarely – it's like I think you – Average, I think it was 11 last year at Texas Tech. And then before, I think it was less at Arkansas Little Rock. And you're always like in the thing, it was a top 20 in least amount of turnovers. What do you do consistently to stress that with your team of valuing the basketball within practice and watching film and things you do? Well, the first thing is it's something we really value. It's a part of our you know, core philosophy on how our teams can win. So I think another you know, thing in coaching is I think you can't be great at everything got to pick a few things to try to be great you got to have an identity and um that just started back when i played basketball uh you know i I was a guy that you know there's no way i could turn the ball over if i expected to be in the game i had to make the right play at all times so i've always kind of viewed the game that way um and i you know shot selection was something that i've always been obsessed with and i'm just convinced that with the shot clock and his players get more talented the game's fast and everything going in the NBA, I think that from time to time, you know, you might take a shot. It's maybe not the best shot, but if you if you don't turn the ball over, if you give yourself a chance every possession, I just think that's kind of the way to win. And our, and our players deserve all the credit. They really, you know, bought into that over the years. We've had we had a game at Little Rock where we had one turnover, uh, and it was a questionable travel. I'm always kind of like seeking that game. If we could ever play a 40-minute college game with no turnovers, that's one of the goals I have in this game. So do you, when practices, do you have, like, consequences when they turn the ball over? Is there certain things you do to reinforce it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we call it uh, accountability. I try to stay away from the word, like, you know, punishment or all these kinds of things. We just we, we try to hold ourselves accountable. So um, it might be as simple as if you turn the ball over, you, you take yourself out and you do five push-ups. It's not, you know, it's not the five push-ups that's going to help us win, but it's the accountability. Uh, other days it's a lot more drastic, you know. Um, when we play basketball year-round, even right now, and pick up games in the offseason, we uh, we value the turnover. So this spring we were playing 10 points, and if you had a turnover, it was minus two. 
Um, so it's really difficult to win, you know, a four or five possession game if you have a turnover. Uh, but it's something we always emphasize. There's a fine line, you know. I don't ever want our guys to play, you know, scared or timid. Uh, but that just comes with with talent. I mean, our best players over the years have always had the, you know, the game where they can still take chances and see things. But certainly with our second tier guys, like role player type guys, we we got to have guys in our program that never turn the ball over. Coach, talk about that four to one philosophy that you learned from Coach Knight, and about the two by four that you guys take on the road. What what, what does that help you do? Yeah, four to one is something that started a long time ago. It was actually uh, in Fort Scott uh, Community College, my first head coaching job. As we've already talked about it, we went to one of those preseason jamborees, and I was, you know, young and full of it, man. I was ready, and we took our team down there and just got popped three times. We were zero and three in the scrimmages. The third game was we uh, they'd run out of junior colleges to play. I think we were in Independence, Kansas. And, they had a group of older guys, you know, a little bit out of weight, guys that looked like they'd been drinking like beer. Troy, like Troy out there. Yeah. 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 Jim, you ain't yeah, exactly. describing Troy, Coach Bear. You're not exactly right. lighting it up over there. <laughs> it might have been you that day hitting all those threes on us. But <laughs> anyway, so, you know, these guys know how to play basketball. They're screening and cutting and moving the ball. And, I mean, they just they popped us. So we get back to Fort Scott that day, and I thought the world was going to end. I remember just sitting there on my on my desk, and it just I kept having thoughts just about mental toughness, mental toughness. Like it's really not physical. Like we didn't just get, you know, our ass beat physically. We just got beat mentally by these guys that knew what they were doing. So uh, we came up some things over the years, you know, like tough times pass, tough people last. It's something that we really believe in. But when I got to Coach Knight uh, a few years later, you know, he, one of his many uh, philosophies is uh, the mental is to the physical as four is to one. Um, and it's something that just really stuck. The first time I heard him say it, I just I believed it. You know, it, to me, it wasn't a T-shirt or something to put on a wristband. Like I really believed that. I thought about my own life, you know, off the court, on the court. I, I just convinced that the difference between being elite and being average is, is mental toughness. It's not physical quality. So it's something we really embraced uh, four to one. And probably the most special thing is like former players. You know, I. I'll have guys that might be going through some tough times. Like we had a player go through a divorce a couple of years ago, and I was really worried about him. And I'm texting him, and one day he just wrote back four to one, and that kind of gives me goosebumps thinking about it. On senior night, we always give the guys a, a something they can keep forever that says four to one on it. But it's just one of our core values. The uh, the piece of wood is something I actually got from from Coach Saban, I believe. About 99. percent I probably study football coaches more than I do basketball. I, I love college football, but. Um, it's the idea of winning on the road. It's something that we talk about. Even though we did not do a very good job of this year with our tech team, we will get to the point where we can win road games in this league at some point, hopefully sooner than later. But uh, we talked about winning on the road as early as in the recruiting process on the first day of practice. And the idea is, you know, we'll put the board down in the middle of the court and I'll tell the guys, hey, I'll give any one of you 100 bucks to just walk across this board. And, of course, they just jump on the opportunity. I can't do that because of the NCAA rules, but I'll tell them that later. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, any of us can just step up on a board, right foot, left foot, right foot, no problem. Uh, then I, then, then we take the guys outside or somewhere, and I, I put that same board, like maybe between two buildings, way up high or, you know, on a bridge somewhere. And basically, you know, anybody want to do it now? And everybody says no, of course. But the thing is, it's it's the same process. Like, you ever get that one guy like board. Jim that's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it, coach. What, do you, what if you got a Jim Huber? Not right now. Yeah. But it's the same process, right? It's the same board. Your feet are the same size. But what's happened is the environment um, 
has changed. But if you lock in and you understand it's just the board and the feet, then you know that's kind of the way I view winning on the road. Like I love to play on the road. I love to coach on the road. Uh, this year's team, we were really close. We lost a couple one possession games, but certainly when we get to the point where we can compete for championships in this league, Big Twelve, winning on the road will be a part of it. Well, we'll talk about that, coach, because you're big. I hear from people you're big on the process. I know different coaches have a process. What is the process at Texas Tech? What do you do on a daily basis to get that mentality of your kids, that mental toughness, and doing the things that you need them to do to succeed on and off the floor? Well, it starts with that. Uh, exactly what you said. You know, it's a it's a day to day process. Like I'm not a guy that has like a five year, ten year, even a two year plan. You know, certainly we build the program with some vision and recruiting, but. Really, I'm a guy that has a day-to-day plan. You know, I get up, I try to do the best I can. I try to execute all the way in time we go to bed and we get up the next day and do it. But our process, we we believe in, um, and it tells a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that I've learned um, along the way, especially in my professional basketball opportunities. I just learned so much from those players. I love pro basketball. We try to do everything that those guys do at that level. Um, but, you know, it's re- we call it recovery, the idea of getting a good night's sleep. I think there's a lot of players, especially American players in this world, that work really hard on the court and all of this, but they don't get enough sleep. I, I think there's a fine balance there. You could almost, like, be counterproductive if you don't rest your body and recover. So we really value the day off. We value sleep. We value the way we travel, making sure the guys get a consistent amount of sleep. And then Fueling the body is somewhere where we really improved our Texas Tech program in this first year with our commitment to nutrition. Um, again, I think a lot of young, especially American players, you kind of view nutrition as you eat when you're hungry. Uh, but one of many things I learned when I was in Europe coaching is, you know, that's just not true. As an athlete, you're fueling your body. It has nothing to do whether you're hungry or not. So we've made a real commitment here at Tech where I think we have the best nutrition in the country. Uh, no disrespect to anybody else out there, but we – we take care of our guys at the highest level with what they're putting in their bodies. And then, of course, individual work every day, film study, team practice, uh, the academic piece of being a student athlete is part of our process. And then we kind of get into the intangibles. You know, we talk a lot about being an unselfish unit. The core of everything we do is humility, understanding that we're really lucky to be a part of this game, um, respecting all the people that came before us. And with this, we just try to educate our players and we just try to have an atmosphere that's unselfish every day. But all these things add up to our day-to-day process and we just, you know, we try to execute it from from our student manager all the way to our best player. Everybody's on board and, and has a part of the process. And when you talk about sleep, you hear all these studies where it's like, hey, you need, you know, six hours, eight hours, you know, ten hours. Do you have a specific amount of time? You talk to kids about how much they should sleep, when they should go to bed. Is there certain things like not having their phone around, disrupting the sleep, um, not light in the room? Do you do things like that with the kids to kind of help them out to understand how to get deep sleep, or what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So with some of our older players, especially guys that are really trying to get into professional basketball and make a life of it, then we'll get very, very specific with them. We've got – the ability to even test guys, you know, technology. Guys are going to like the lab, sleep one night, kind of check where they are and stuff like that. Um, but then there's some simple, like, common sense things. I tell the guys all the time, like, I've never coached a really good player, you know, that takes four-hour naps. Uh, I've coached some guys that are disciplined and maybe take an hour nap every day. Kobe was known for that, LeBron. But, um, you know, the, the whole college deal, we stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and take a four-hour nap. That just doesn't work when you're trying to play Big 12 basketball. Um, and then just being consistent with it, you know. 
uh, not that these guys got you know 10 p.m. bedtimes every day, but just being consistent, understanding that you know even in the off season, you know you go out, you have a good time. I mean, get home at midnight. You know, don't don't go home at 3 a.m. because it just kind of gets your clock off. But I really believe in recovery. And I believe in sleep and rest. And our guys work really, really hard. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we work harder than anybody, but I promise you, nobody works harder than us. We we're in the gym all the time, but. Again, a part of that is, is recovering to make sure you're not being counterproductive. Last thing, you being in Texas, I was reading uh, yesterday the San Antonio Spurs. They do, you know, they have those um, nutritional kind of vegetable and fruit type drinks, and do a cold press type, um, you know, getting the the juices out of it. And that's uh, kind of something they've had. Like they haven't told a lot, but they feel like that helps them with the nutrition after they get done playing the recovery time, getting ready for the next day. Um, you being down in Texas, have you like studied some of the stuff that the Spurs do in Popovich regards nutrition and that? Absolutely. Uh, Chris Ogden on our staff, one of our assistants, is personal friends with R.C. Buford of the Spurs, and um, we have relationships with those guys. Dave Tellips, one of their scouts, and um, actually my first coaching job ever was at Incarnate Word College in San Antonio. Danny Casper, right? Yeah, was uh, was Lutz? Hey, was was Coach Lutz on that staff when you were there? Absolutely. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. So, I could really tell you some Lutz stories. <laughs> I would love, I'd love to hear one. Maybe, maybe it's after the conversation, whatever. Because I, I texted Lutz before. I go, hey, you know Beard? Because I knew, he, I thought he knew you, and I was like, give me a story about about Coach Beard. So yeah. Did he give you any dirt on Coach? Well, I I I, I don't want to say anything right now. Or after the phone phone call. No, nah, he he hasn't well, responded back yet. Maybe he's busy. Maybe at Purdue right now. What makes him a great coach is his intelligence. Unless he's too smart to start talking dirt on me, because he knows what I know on him. <laughs> so down in Incarnate Words, you're down there under Casper. Yeah, back in those days, it's hard to believe now, but the NBA teams really didn't even have practice facilities and. The Spurs practice in our gym at Incarnate Word every day. And it was like uh, around the time that Coach Popovich took over, he went from GM, I believe, to coach. And David Robinson and Avery Johnson was on those teams. And I actually named my oldest daughter Avery after Avery Johnson. That's how much respect I have for him. Like, I just, That's cool. He is by, by far the best leader I've ever seen in team sports. And I, I had a chance to watch him basically practice probably 15 to 20 times and you talk about a leader. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I when you would, say uh, when you say he's a great leader, one of the greatest. What what does he do that you see that makes him a great leader? It's just like relationship wise. You know, he would he would talk to uh, David Robinson one way, and then he would talk to Dennis Rodman in another way. He just like, and you could tell he had all the respects. Uh, he played harder than anybody on the court. I thought he always loved his role. He got better every year he played, all the way up until the championship jump shot. Um, I thought he respected the game. He always respected the opponent. I mean, there's nobody in basketball that I respect more than Avery Johnson. Seems like a great guy. He's always smiling, just just happy guy. What was Rodman like in practice, watching him? Those were some cool times. I uh, only saw him a couple times because he was like a midseason trade or maybe even the next year. Um, but it was always interesting. <laughs> I think uh, Bob Hill was the coach on that team. I used to go study a little bit. Coach Hill. When the players would break off to go shoot and all the goals, Rodman would just go to the exercise bike. I always thought that was the funniest thing. Um, I always heard he'd that. watch. He would watch the other guys shoot and then figure out how they missed, and that was part of it, that he, he knew when this guy missed, I knew right where to be. No doubt. No doubt. We're trying to get some guys here in this program that play as hard as Rodman, and I think we'll be able to make the next turn. 
That, that's something that I hear I hear about from different people about you is that your kids love to play for you. They run through through a wall for you. And I remember like seeing you know the NCAA run you guys had, and you you by the way you got some great dance moves by the way in the locker room with the team and that jump. And I don't know if that's like a mosh pit or whatever. But the question I have for you is, I hear through the grapevine, actually through Maxie Frenchie, that you have a bowl in your office with the names of the kids in it, and you make sure you pull the name out and you communicate with them before practice, have some type of relationship with them before, and then also communicate with them afterwards. Uh, is that something that you focus on on a daily basis, and what's the reason for it? Yeah, I'm really proud of that. You know, I, I think um, it, if there's anything that might separate us from everyone else just a little bit is, is I do believe in relationships. You know, like, you think about this job I have right now, guys, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's taunting at times, like, you had two first ballot Hall of Fame coaches here, and Coach Knight, Coach Smith at Texas Tech, and they've had some great teams, NCAA tournament teams, but you know they're yet to win a Big 12 championship here. So, you know, I, I came here to win a championship. I didn't come here to win a, you know, finish fourth or fifth. And I know it's a process and it takes time, but I wake up every day, you know, wanting to play on that last Monday. So, you know, how are we going to get this done? Well, it's not going to be coaching. Uh, because I'm never going to be the coach that Bob Knight or Tubby Smith was. But I think what it could be, you know, is the relationship piece. And um, I just I want to be known as a player's coach. You know, a lot of people uh, misinterpret that. You know, good players want to be coached. They want discipline. They want to be coached hard. So I think sometimes people hear players coach and they kind of think that it might not be a good thing. But I think it's a great thing. It's all about relationships. And it starts in recruiting. You know, I, I don't recruit guys that I don't feel comfortable with. There's been some really talented players over the years that I just couldn't click with. I didn't feel great on the visit, and maybe they would tell you the same thing. And so I respectfully, you know, wish those guys luck other places. But with our guys, you know, I, I want it to be a deal where we can look each other in the face every day and know that, hey, I care about you. I have your back, and and you have my back. Now let's go do this. And there'll be good days and bad days, certainly at this level. But it's, it, it's all about relationships. And that's the challenging thing, you know, this first year at Tech. I was coaching some seniors, you know, that had played for uh, three or four different head coaches in their career. And um, I'm just really appreciative that, you know, our seniors bought in for the most part. They helped us lay a foundation this first year. But certainly going forward, one of the key things that we're counting on is, is we're going to have great relationships with our players. Jimmy and I both worked with Max. You're, uh, what, what, do you, what do you got, Max? Oh, or, man, Frenchy. Or, or Frenchy, what's he doing down there for you? First of all, Coach, I want to tell you thank you because I vividly remember a few years ago when I was at Angelo State and I called you. Yeah, talked about Max and um, really. Hey, hey, by the way, was that was that a good reference? What I was telling you, you need to take the guy. Absolutely, yeah. and I I think I told you this before, Coach. But uh, you know, I, mostly over the years, I've I've hired people that I know. It's very rarely that I'll just hire somebody mm -hmm. that I have no background with. It. I didn't know Max from Adam. I'd never met him, um, but just on your recommendation, how much respect I have for for Mo Can and uh, Max and stuff. He, he's done great. I think, you know, he's a Division II uh, graduate assistant, and then uh, then he's on a Division One bench. Now he's at Texas Tech, and I don't feel like I've given Max anything. He's earned every move. Uh, I think he's given me way, way more than I've given him. And he's, you know, above above all the great things he does is that thing we were just talking about, you know, the relationship with players. The guys gravitate to him. You know, he, he coaches them hard. Uh, he helps them, but they also know that, you know, 
um, that he's there looking out for their best interests. So I think he's a rising star in the business. He just, uh, we're very lucky to have Max here. Yeah, that- our, our Max, he was in camp with us at Breakthrough Basketball too, and, and he's working at camps. And kids love him, right? And so Max is French, and he's like six seven. You know, he really stands out. The kids, like you said, they gravitate. So I first day at camp, I bring Max out and I say, "Okay, Max, speak your native tongue," and he talks a little French, you know. And then I ask the kids, and they're like third to fifth grade. I said, "Now, what what country do you think Max is from?" And this little kid in the front row looks like Webster. I mean, he is so cute. He puts his <laughs> hand up, and he goes, "He's definitely Chinese." <laughs> and the coaches are just, "We're dying, we're dying." He says, "Yeah, he's definitely Chinese, coach." So Max is great. And that's the thing. Another thing with Max, you know, the, the first time I did meet him. Um, and I would say this if Max is right here in front of me. I'm not talking bad about my guy, but as you know, Coach, Max is not the best-looking guy in the world. Uh, how did, by the way, how did how did he get his wife looking like well, that? Oh, you know. Then, then I met his wife, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. You're the best recruiter in the country. Yeah. You're yeah. tired. Yeah, yeah. got to so, take him. You know what it is? It's that laugh he has. The, that French, the, the you know, the language of love and the women, they go. And then he <laughs> throws that laugh, and he's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And they just, they melt. It's incredible. On, on a serious note on Max, though, like you said, he is a very hard worker. He's very loyal, he's trustworthy. I would yeah. trust him with, I could have him in a house with, Hundreds of thousand dollars laying around. I know when I come back in, there's probably $10 more laying there. Well, Jim's a gullible guy, but yeah. no, Max, is he's the best. Hey, Coach, I, I know in coaching, uh, majority of people see the toughness in coaches and how they get crazy and upset and, you know, and, and the competitiveness that they have. But the one thing I don't think is they see maybe the spirit side of them and how much they care. And so I've heard that this past year that you had an individual that kind of reached out to you or maybe family member that had a, a child was 15 years old named Eddie that had brain cancer, like went through like five or so many surgeries. And I heard that you had the team kind of reach out and be a part of that, but on the back end that you're really doing things to help that family out on your own. Can you speak a little bit about Eddie and the impact that's had on your program? Yeah, I appreciate and uh, respect the question. I I kind of shy away from talking about you know things that we do because I think that um, in the you know I think like the internet and social media and all this has kind of changed things. One of the things I really don't like in our game is the guys that kind of self promote. But um, but with Eddie, I have no problem talking about him because Eddie's I think 15 now and he's trying to get a girlfriend. So. I always tell him anytime I can get your name out there on some media, man, maybe some people will be listening. So <laughs> have him talk to Max. Max. Yeah, have Max will give him some oh, advice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Eddie, Eddie's done so much more for our team than we've ever done for him. He's just, uh, he's the ultimate fighter. You know, he's a guy that everybody keeps telling him what he can't do, and he just keeps proving everybody wrong. So you're talking about a 15 year old kid that's had like three or four major brain surgeries over the course of the year where most people's bodies couldn't even make it. Not only does he make it, every time he comes out, he has this spirit. He's just an unbelievable person, and he's a fighter. He, uh, he's been a big part of our team. When, when I met him, he's a soccer guy. He loves soccer. He's from Portales, New Mexico. He didn't know anything about basketball. First time I ever met him, I was like, where does basketball rank on your list of favorite sports? And I think he had it like number 10. I was like, we got to work on that, Eddie. So as of, yes- as of yesterday, basketball is Eddie's second favorite sport. I don't think I'm ever going to – Bypass soccer. soccer. Hey, you win that Big uh, Twelve. We'll we'll get him over. Uh, yeah. So that and you know, Coach, I, I got to say this: for people are listening, if I had a son or daughter, especially a son, being recruited by you, playing for Texas Tech, the one thing I will say is I would want them to play him to play for you because 
you're focused on graduating kids. What I hear, that's important to you, especially when you talk about them recruiting. But the other thing is you're trying to set these kids up for to succeed in life, whether it's playing professional basketball or whether it's doing something professionally outside of basketball. And I think that we sometimes get used by the sport instead of using the sport. And it sounds like at Texas Tech you're trying to use the sport to help these kids have success in life. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I think you know. I think all coaches care about the players and have the best interest. But I think the thing with us, and I've really enjoyed this. I really love having a relationship with our guys after they're done playing. Like, there's nothing better to me than former guys coming back in town or seeing them on the road places or just watching them kind of grow up, get married, have kids. And that's that's one of the special times that that we have is uh, you know having a relationship with our guys. I just met with most of our seniors. I still got one more to talk to. We always give those guys a little time to go away, then bring them back, ask, hey, well, we got to try to get done for you here. And we've got a couple guys who are going to try to get into professional basketball. We're trying to assist. Uh, we've got another guy that's trying to maybe get into a, a business school uh, to get his MBA. We're trying to help him. But, yeah, we take a lot of pride in the relationship we have with our players after they're done playing as well. Enjoying the NBA playoffs, Coach? You've been watching? Yeah, love it. Love it. Uh, I know a lot of guys – a lot of college guys don't watch pro basketball, but I'm on the total other end of the spectrum. I I can very rarely go to bed at night until I see Chuck and Kenny and Shaq and those guys talk. And it's, they're the best. I'm always watching games, but um, a lot of the things that we add throughout the season are NBA based. Uh, I just think it's it's the best players in the world with the best coaches, and so I think it's foolish not to watch it. So so back to the NBA since you mentioned that is so like the Houston Rockets, D'Antoni, they're so big on threes and layups, not the, you know, in-between jumpers. What's your philosophy when you mentioned early on shot selection? What's a great shot for you? Or where are you trying to get shots from? Where do you do not want shots to be at? Yeah, my deal with shot selection is like a great shot is the right guy taking the right shot. And so, you know, it's not like equal opportunity out there. It's like each of our guys have games, our most talented players, a guy like Keenan Evans might have 20 to 25 game shots. He can score at all three levels. He has step backs. He has a lot of things. Some of our other players, younger players, might just be, you know, corner three guys or drive the ball. But depending on your talent and everything, you kind of get these game shots, and then we practice those. And a part of our process, you know, is I really believe in the mathematics of basketball. Like, we don't just go out and shoot. We go out with a purpose. And so – you know, if Keenan's going to work on his going left step back today, he's going to shoot maybe 10 of those game speed. And he's constantly trying to get to 7 out of 10, which is 70%. Because I believe when you get into a game with fatigue and officiating and the crowd and all this, the percentages normally go down about 20. So if we can get Keenan making 70% of all these shots, then in the games he's a 50% shooter. To me, that's a great shot. And another thing that's been good to us over the years, you know, the three-point shooting. We've had some really good three-point shooting teams. we almost won a national championship in Angelo State shooting threes. This year, we had some good shooters, not great. Um, but I really believe, you know, and like when, I, when I'm sitting there on opening night you know, on the bench and we take the first shot of the season, I want it to be a shot that everybody in our, in our program believes in. I want it to be a shot that we know, hey, that kid shoots that shot every single day, hour after hour. And so with three-point shooting, we have a thing we call the Green Light Club. And Max actually helped me kind of develop this four years ago at Angelo State, but Basically, anybody that shoots threes on our team is a guy that's in the Green Light Club. The Green Light Club is you make 300 a day, uh, seven days a week. And with our GAs and managers and, like, the gun and stuff, you can make 300 threes in 30 minutes or less. So I think that's a small commitment. Uh, 
to be able to shoot threes in a game, then you got to pay the price before. But I just think shot selection is more individual-based. What might be a good shot for me might not be a good shot for you. And so we're always thinking about the individualized size of basketball. Max buy his uh, big baller shoes yet? Did he get the new? Because Max is always a fashion guy, being French. Did he shell out the 495 to get the big ballers, Coach? He's making enough money to buy them these days. You know, <laughs> That's been another cool thing of watching Max's advancement coaching. I think he was on my taxes at Angelo State. He was like my, my child financially. And now, from time to time, Max will even pick up the tabs. So that's been pretty cool. Nice. So, so how do our followers, how do they stay in touch with Texas Tech Red, Ra- Red Raider basketball? Is it is there a way, like through Twitter? Is it following through certain social media app? Or what, what would they do to follow your program? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not great on that stuff, but I know we have it all. We, our um, SID uh, does a great job, one of the best I've ever worked with. We've got uh, the Texas Tech basketball Twitter as well as Red Raider Sports. Um, and I have a personal Twitter. I'm trying to get better at it. But the one thing I'll say about that is it's a lot of quality over quantity. Like if we do put something on there, it's something I believe in. But um, I've probably got to catch up with the times a little bit more on that. But I uh, – you know, at the core, I know Max has told you, we're just guys that love basketball. You know, I'd rather be in the gym working with one of our players or watching a game with them than, than doing social media. But I, I acknowledge i got to get a little better at that. I do have one last question before I let you go. You said you love college football, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And the Kansas City Chiefs tr- traded up to draft Pat Mahomes, right, the, the second in the first right. round. Is he going to be the next Brett Favre? Man, he's got all the physical tools, and he's got the mental side. So I'll go out and watch, uh, you know, a couple workouts from time to time. He's, I mean, the arm is like a cannon. It is Brett Favre. It's like leaning back on one foot and chuck it eighty yards in the oh, trash can. Because 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 they had they had John Gruden in his yeah. camp, quarterback camp. Yep. And he yep. went through at the end. I was watching it, and they were like. All right, you have to pick one. Who's it going to be? And he's like, I can't be on the fence. I can't be on the fence. He's like, he picked our guy. Yeah, and he's like, because he's like a gunslinger. Yeah, the Wild West. He goes, I could rein him in and make him a player. Yeah, what will make him special is the mental side. He is a tough, tough, natural-born leader. Um, And the Tech football guy is Cliff Kingsbury, who's I have nothing but respect for Cliff. He's the best. Cliff's a guy that would never make an excuse. Um, But I'm just telling you, I got no problem telling the truth. Mahomes played hurt a lot this year, uh, never complained, and just still put up just crazy numbers. But when he gets healed and he's completely uh, healthy, it's, I mean, it's going to be special watching a great young player play in the NFL. I would not want to go out with Clint to a bar. I mean, that, that guy, it, I, he'd have all the women by his side, and I'd be standing there alone talking to Troy. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. seriously. <laughs> he, he's, he's like There's a movie actor. Situations, though. I mean, it's also like Cliff can't have them all, you know? I guess that's right. He can't take them all home with him. So, well, Coach, hey, we appreciate the time sincerely. Uh, we respect what you're doing. And like I said, Max is one of our guys, and, uh, you know, and I know he's uh, working hard for you, and we wish him much success in the next year in the future. And, Winning the Big 12 championship. I know Troy, hey, they won a Big 12 championship. Stop that KU Jayhawk streak. You ready to stop that streak, Coach Beard? Man, I was born ready, but there's a difference between being ready and being able to do it. That's what we're working on. Well, on the process. But thanks again. I wish you much the best. If you need anything on our side, please let us know. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. Head coach, Jim Huber. I scored in the last two minutes. I took them right down to the wire. I run the picket fence on them, and I, I started balling. And they bring, they bring the white coats in here and they, they put a jacket on. Must be so good I didn't even mind.